Morning. My name is David Sherwood. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. I'm so excited that you survived the blizzard of uh, 2019. Uh, the crowd was pretty thin for the first service. Um, if you are a visitor, um, we're just super glad that you are here. Um, we're starting a new series. Uh, it's about the villains of Christmas, and you might know me asking kind of what, what, what's that all about. Um, basically, we're going to take the idea that we're in this Christmas season, and we've got lots of these stories out there about Christmas, and what can we learn from some of them, and how do some of them foreshadow some things that are in God's Word? Um, I'm going to pray here in just a second, and what I want you to do is I want you to think while I'm praying about what God wants to talk to you about today. We've got this whole month of December that kind of aims towards Jesus. And maybe one of the questions kind of just becomes is, where do I stand with this Jesus person these days? So let me pray, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about villains a little bit more, and we're going to talk about Scripture, and we're going to have fun. So if you'll pray with me, Father God, we come to you, and we're trying to slow down enough to hear you. This is a season, Father, where things go by so fast, and yet sometimes we pass by the, the reasons for the seasons because of the speed that we're in. So we would ask you, Father, would you quiet our hearts, slow down our minds. May you come to our hearts and our minds this morning. And may you speak to us heart to heart, face to face. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus the Christ. And all God's people said. All right, so the open question is basically this. What can you learn from villains? Okay. If you watch movies, one of the things that you learn from villains is, I don't need to give a big monologue before I'm supposed to kill somebody. Because if I give a big monologue before I'm going to kill somebody, they're going to escape and get me. Everybody know that? Is that a good thing you know about villains? Okay. A second thing to know about villains is, don't trust your minions. Okay? Your minions are stupid. If you've got a bunch of kids and you're expecting them to actually get something done so that things will be okay... That's a terrible mistake. Your minions are going to be sabotaging things. Now, here's the joke in all this. The question becomes something like, what can we learn from villains? Because it's easy to look at villains and say, oh, I can't wait for them to get it. That's the story of a lot of heroic movies. I can't wait for the villain to get their comeuppance. But I want you to notice something about Christmas movies. Christmas movies, the goal typically is not that the villain gets it. It's that the villain is turned, redeemed, repentance. It's funny because it's this theme, even for some movies that aren't necessarily Christian at all, but it's almost as if the, the big story of what Christianity is has somehow saturated those stories as well. Because we oftentimes don't see that villain destroyed. We see them turned. 
Somebody challenged me years ago, and it was a, a difficult thing to hear. They said, you know, you read the Bible, and there's bad guys in the Bible, and it's easy to go, yeah, you know, that's a bad guy, and that's a bad guy, and that's a bad girl, and, 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 to, and to distance yourself from them. And yet, one of the lessons of them being in Scripture is to find yourself in their shoes. And where do you need to be liberated? In your villainy. That you might not think is villainy at all. In the season that we're in, what do you think Jesus wants for his birthday? All kidding aside, what, what do you think Jesus wants for his birthday? I could ask you, what do you want for your birthday? And click, real, you know, things start to come, come loose. I want this, I want this, I want this. And that's great. This is the food, this is the restaurant, this is the item. But... December 1st, whole month, aiming towards Christ. What does Jesus want for his birthday? Now, we can say things like Jesus wants your obedience or Jesus wants your worship. But I want you to consider some other things because the long and short of it is we don't want it to be Christmas morning and most of December to have flown by and he hasn't received anything. We've received plenty. We've been entertained by this Christmas mirage, but we've missed giving Jesus something. In the movie The Christmas Carol, we see this guy named Ebenezer Scrooge. And Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by a ghost of his former um, co-worker, business partner, Jacob Marley. And Jacob Marley shows up, and what he wants to do is he wants to tell Scrooge something from beyond the grave. Jacob Marley has died. The question is, what do you think people on the other side of the grave would want to say to us? And why would they want to say anything to us? Over and over in stories, Christmas Carol and Scripture, Luke 16, there's somebody that's actually in hell, and they, they say to Abraham... Hey, can somebody go tell my family something for me? Because I want them to understand something about what this other world is like. And Marley shows up in the exact same sort of way. If you go ahead and go to the next slide. When Marley shows up, he, he talks to Scrooge as his former business partner. And Scrooge is like, hey, look, you, Marley, you're a stand-up guy. You know, you worked hard. You provided for your family. You... You know, you, you had accomplishments. And Marley will have none of it. Marley basically says, I missed everything. Now that's kind of big, isn't it? Because there's a lot of things out there that are trying to grab you right now and say that this is the thing. It's your social status or your marital status or your academics or how much money you make or your health. That's, there's some definition of you've made it. And then there's what Jesus says. Then there's what Jacob Marley says. Now, the clip that I'm going to show you here in just a minute is from A Christmas Carol. And if you've got little ones, it is of a ghost of Jacob Marley. It might be a tad scary so you might want to exit with them here in a couple of minutes because I'm going to show the clip in about a minute or two. 
But here's what Jacob Marley says to Scrooge. He says, business, mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, benevolence. This is what the focus was supposed to be on. And here becomes the real curiosity. What would Jesus say to us about where our focus is? Is it in December focusing on his birthday gift? In general, is it on ourselves or on others? So watch this clip. And as you're watching this clip, I want you to think about Scrooge is a villain, but he's not like the villain out there. He's, he's us. Because in A Christmas Carol, he's the central character. He's the character we're supposed to identify with and see where we need a change of heart. So watch this clip, and then we'll come back and talk about some scriptures related to it. It's all still a Want with me? Oh, much. Who are you? Ask me who I was. Who were you then? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. <sighs> Can you sit down? Do it then. You do not believe in me. I don't. Why do you doubt your senses? Because the littlest thing can affect them. A slight disorder of the stomach can make them cheat. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a lot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a, a fragment of underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. Oh! dreadful apparition! Why do you trouble me? A man of worldly mind, do you believe in me or not? I do! I must! Oh! Were the chain I forged in life, I made it link by link and yard by yard. Do you recognize its pattern? Can you imagine the weight and length of the chain you bear? 
It was as heavy and long as this seven Christmas Eves ago. Oh, yours is a ponderous shame. Jacob, tell me no more. Speak comfort to me, Jacob. I have none to give. I cannot stay. I cannot linger anywhere. Mark me. In life, my spirit never walked beyond our counting house, never roved beyond the narrow limits of a money-changing hole. Now, endless journeys lie before me. Seven years dead, then traveling all the time. No time, no rest, no peace. Must have covered a lot of ground in seven no! years. Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over with, Jacob? Expect the second the next night at the same hour. And the third upon the next night when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. <laughs> That's a moment, isn't it? <clears throat> a warning. Three ghosts are coming. A ghost that's going to point to your past. A ghost that's going to point to your present. A ghost that's going to point to your future. Those three perspectives are the things that I want you to be thinking about this morning. But before we get to those three, there's a scripture. I want you to think about what Jacob Marley said, and I want you to Think about what the Apostle Paul said here. He says this. He says, in the message version, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. 
Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. I want you to think about anybody who's taken their whole life and dedicated it to, to something, okay? If there's this person who's dedicated their whole life to this thing, and then you jump in to do that thing, that's the most important thing you could do for that person. That's a, imitation is the highest form of flattery. That's your way. Think about Jesus. Jesus comes as a servant, and he comes to the least of these and the outsiders and the alone, the shut-ins, the forgotten. And Paul writes this. Paul says, I want you to understand, follow Jesus. Stop thinking about yourself. Fully engage in others. Not thinking about what you want, what you need. We'll get to some of that later. But here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine Jesus looks down as December goes through. And he sees these moments with you. For some of you, you participated in the Thanksgiving dinner. And we served meals to people in our community. And some people came and they hadn't talked to anybody outside of their trailer in months. We delivered meals to people that are shut in and, and never get out at all. We've got people here that volunteer at Stonebridge next door. And Jesus looks and he says, this is the gift. Where his eyes water up, where he grins and smiles, where you get it. And, but we offer him all kinds of other gifts. You know, we, we're oh so really holy. And, you know, we, we, we read a lot of the Bible. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. And obedience is important and worship is obedience. But the big thing that's important is that we follow his footsteps. We do the sort of things that he did. The idea was that he handed off this way of living life and engaging people that we're supposed to follow in. But in order for that to happen, we have to put the brakes to self. The first ghost that's going to come visit Ebenezer Scrooge is the ghost of Christmas past. It's a ghost that says, do you remember where you came from? What's happened to you? If you want to know who the Ebenezer Scrooge is of the New Testament, it's the Apostle Paul. What do you mean the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul was locked down against Christianity. He threw people into prison. He persecuted the early church. He didn't believe in Jesus. He ends up having an encounter with Jesus. No more dynamic or less dynamic than with a bunch of ghosts. And what happens is Paul is completely transformed. But he has to figure out how he's going to deal with this past. Because if we don't figure out how we're going to deal with our past and what Jesus says about our past, we're going to be trapped in it. And all of our regrets and all of our failures and all of our pain and all of our whole bunch of things, just like if you know the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, there's some 
lost love and there's some abandonment and he retreats more and more into greed and bitterness and self-protection. Paul says this in Philippians 3, 7 through 8. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Notice what he's doing with his past. He's basically saying, look, there are all these things that I wanted to gain, but compared to Jesus, compared to the gift of who he is and what he accomplished on the cross, all of that was a complete waste of time. It's Jacob Marley saying the same thing. It's not about making money or grades or social standing or another job or all the other things that we pursue. It's who Jesus is. He goes on in Philippians 3, 13 through 14. It says this, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid a hold of it yet, but there's one thing that I do, forgetting what lies behind reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He lets go of the past. The sort of person that he used to be, since he's encountered Christ and Christ has forgiven him for all that, he's loosed of those chains. Loosed into something else that he's reaching and straining for. Now, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the hard reality is I have lots of regrets. And I have lots of things in the past that haunt me and hurt me and tell me to protect myself and to be selfish and to... And yet, if Christ comes in and Christ accepts me and loves me and wants to heal me and has invited me into heaven and everything else, what effect does that have on me? The next is the ghost of Christmas present. The ghost of Christmas present shows up. And he shows Ebenezer a bunch of things. He says, Ebenezer, look, look over here. And there's kids playing with snowballs. And there's sleighs. And there's carolers. And there's all that in the, the present moment. But he also shows him there's this person that's sick. There's this person that's alone in isolation. There's this, this, and this. All of these things are going on in the present moment. And then Ebenezer has to kind of think about what is he in the present moment in relation to all of these other things. And the ghost of Christmas present says a really interesting thing. He says that as many people as engage what Christmas is all about, about forbearance and about charity and about love and about pointing people to who Christ is, as, as much as all that is put into play, the ghost of Christmas present, we're told, gets stronger. We see it play out in a couple of movies where, you know, the sleigh is about to crash and everybody has to sing and get that Christmas spirit going again and then the sleigh can fly. But then again, there's other people that in the present moment are disengaged from what Christmas means. They may be clicking on Amazon for presents, but they're completely disengaged with Christmas. How are you dealing with the past? 
and how it affects now. How are you dealing with now? Are you fully engaged with Jesus in the present moment? It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. Paul says, now we look inside. And what we see is that anyone who's united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons, explodes, is sort of pregnant onto delivery is the wordage. Look at it. So Paul's already talking about, look, I, me and Jesus, when I encountered him, I'm released from the past. But more than that, look at this present moment. In this present moment, if I'm united with the Savior, I'm exploding forward with who he is into the world. Is that what's happening? Again, I want you to think about, let's just say all of December goes by and Jesus is unwrapping gifts the whole month. But the gifts aren't like a box. The gifts are moments. Moments of you praying for people. Moments of you saying a word of encouragement. Moments of you visiting a shut-in. Moments of you turning the other cheek. Moments of, moments of, moments of directed by, centered in by who Christ is. Have you ever been at the mall where people are playing kind of roulette for a parking spot? And we say ho, ho, ho to them with the salutation of Christmas? And all those things diminish what this season is. But then there's stories you read, they show up all the time of somebody's in Starbucks and they say, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season and that's what I want written on my thing and I want to pay for the next person. And so they announce, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. They get their coffee and the next person, well, they got their coffee free. And then you come to find out that this went on for seven hours at a Starbucks in San Antonio. And for seven hours, baristas were saying, Jesus is the reason for the season and paying for the next person in line. And you go, that's fantastic. And you think about Jesus sitting in the corner of Starbucks, the double shot of espresso, and his name is lifted up and his giftedness is extended out. And we can be a part of that. That's actually what this verse is all about, that this this person who's united to the Messiah, and in the present moment, they're fully engaged. And that's what Scrooge has got to deal with. He's got to deal with the fact that he's completely disengaged from Tiny Tim, disengaged from his family, disengaged from everything. And this ghost of the Christmas present is hopefully being a catalyst for Scrooge to re-engage. The next ghost is the ghost of Christmas future. He gets a vision from this ghost of what the future could look like. And he asks the ghost this question. He says to the ghost, you've shown me some things that might happen. And he says this, he says, are these the shadows of the things that will be? Is this locked and loaded? Or are they shadows of things that Maybe. Is it too late? Is the future too late? Now that's an interesting question, isn't it? 
It's an interesting question to think about our past and how Jesus liberates us. It's an interesting question to think about the present. And if we're united with him, we're exploding forward with who he is into the lives of others. But then it's a whole other question to think about what's the future look like and how will I affect it? How does God strategically want to use me to affect the future? Not just for myself, but for others. It says this in Matthew 6, 31 through 32. It says, do not worry then saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear for clothing? The, the Gentiles eagerly seek out all of these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Now, the interesting thing that's putting into play here is Jesus is talking about a mindset. And there's this mindset that says, you know what? This planet, I need to get my stuff. I need to get myself secure and safe. I need to stockpile cash. I need to that's the way this thing works. Jesus says the opposite. He says, you know what? Your Father in Heaven knows what you really need. Don't think about that. Because he's going to tell you here in a second what you should be thinking about. Think about being a servant to others. Because your Father's got your back about what you need. Not about what you want, but about what you really do need. He goes on and he says this. He says in the next verse, so steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find that your everyday human concerns will be met. Remember, if you are worried about missing out, be worried about missing out about the glory of the kingdom. About standing in Stonebridge and talking to somebody there and reading scripture and seeing a smile come on their face. Because their family's forgotten them. Think about finding out about the homeless shelter or the, the single mom's place. And she, she's freaked out. How am I going to pay for any clothes for my kid that I had out of wedlock? And, you know, what's going on? And what's my future? And everything's up. Find out. Show up. What about the person that got divorced at work? What about the... Older couple just down the street. If you want to worry about something, worry about not being a part of those stories. Those are all Tiny Tim stories. But they're all stories about what might be, depending on what you do. You can always feel guilt when I say things like this, or when any preacher says stuff like this. Or you can feel inspired. What would it be like in the future if Jesus looks and sees my life and sees all these moments that I catalyze who he was in other people's lives? He goes on in this Matthew passage and he says this, give your entire attention, notice that, entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God's going to help you deal with whatever hard things come when the time comes comes, but give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And we sell our attention to Netflix. We sell our attention to the internet. We sell our attention to our bank accounts. We sell our attention to our jobs. We sell our attention to our fears. We sell our attention to our past. And the desire of all these ghosts, the desire of Jacob Marley is to break Scrooge free in the exact same way that Jesus 
wants to break you free. Accepting the gift of his salvation, his rescue in your life. Broken free from your past failures. And in the present moment, united with him. And engaging in all the stuff that he wants to do in the world through you. And there's a future full of possibilities. And transformation in the lives of others. So again, I want you to think about this month. I'm just a preacher trying to pump the brakes a little bit before this month goes 150 miles per hour. Pump the brakes and think about on his birthday, will you have anything to present him with? I mean, it's not possible for the whole day to go by and for us to not get him something for his birthday, right? Yeah, it's real possible. Well, what does he want? Can I write a check? He wants moments of you being fully united with him, liberated from your past, engaged in the present moment, serving other people. And if you find that, then Christmas morning, he, you won't be able to see it. But he can be sitting there, and he can look at you on Christmas morning, and he can have a big grin. Because he's running through his mind all the things that you've done this month with him and through him and in the lives of other people. And he's got a big grin and he's got a little bit of a tear and it's an awesome moment. Or Christmas morning you wake up and you have a sudden realization. You've given him nothing. Ebenezer Scrooge, Paul, you, me, we all get a choice. The ghosts come to visit. The scriptures come to convict. And the future is ours to do with what we will. Let me pray. Father God, we ask, Father, that you would help us. Help us to not have this whole season go by and to miss you. Father, help us to bring servanthood to others as the birthday gift to your son. Help us forget about yesterday and the liberation of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Father, help us to be awakened to the present moment and all the God possibilities that are in it. And Father, help us to not fear the future, but to know that the future is in your hands. Help us to be servants to everyone around us with whatever time we have left. Father, help us to pay it forward. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. And all God's people said... Amen.